Hello and welcome to another episode of Film Music Friday. I am your host, Aaron Smale. Last week, I had the pleasure to sit down over Zoom with my friend Eli Meadow Ramraj for a discussion about the role of music in film. And today, I'm so happy to be able to share our conversation on the show. And without any further ado, this is our conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Eli. Welcome. Thanks so much for agreeing to be on the show. Thanks for having me, Aaron. I'm excited. I've been watching. I've been an, an eager fan since the beginning. <laughs> That's so nice to hear. Um, I met Eli through my roommate uh, because they were working on the same project together. My roommate posted photos that Eli had taken, and I thought, "Oh wow, these are these are really good. This guy's really talented." And I looked at your bio because he tagged you, and you had short film in pre-production, and a short film already completed in your bio I'm like okay this guy and then uh, and then I sent you a message because I was like hey like I'm a composer like are you how what's your what's the status of this pre-production project you know and then we kind of hit it off and uh uh and we've been friends ever since <laughs> and I have to tell you the first time that I got a message from you it was you'd commented on the photos that your roommate posted right and you I think it was just collab question mark and I saw that and I was like, oh man, another freaking bot that wants to like scam me into like, putting in a bunch of work into a project. And then I was like, oh, oh, maybe this is a, a friendly human being. Wow, that's hilarious. Well, we'll get into this later, but um, we ended up going to the same showing of the opening night here in Victoria of Tenet. That's right. And we'll talk about that later because uh, I, I want to bring it that film up as an example uh, in reference to a question I'm going to ask you. So before we get uh, into those uh, kind of questions, I was just wondering if you could introduce yourself for our listeners here. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, my name is Eli Meadow-Ramraj. I'm a second year student at the University of Toronto, and I'm studying film philosophy and creative expression in society. So all the eyebrow raisers. And yeah, I've been in the filmmaking game for about I think five years now I think is what it works out to be uh, avidly wow. as a, a director writer and a smattering of other roles as happens when you're a, a student filmmaker oh absolutely that's incredible thank you um so this is film music Friday do you listen to film scores uh and if so what are your some of your favorite scores do you listen to film music are you a film music nerd like I am it's it's a good question because I was thinking about this when I was younger, I had a really strong aversion to anything that wasn't a film score, anything that wasn't instrumental, anything that had lyrics in, wow, I had okay. an allergy to, and mm. it would, I think I drove my parents crazy because I, they, they knew nothing about pop music because I right. never played pop music for them. And I would just play on repeat Jurassic Park, Lord of the Rings. I mean, so that was the problem is when I was younger. Right. So the answer to your question is yes, I was a huge film music lover, but it was at that age, it was very much the, the tracks that were very heavy on inspirational kind of almost workout music. Like I just mm -hmm. regularly play Jurassic Park, 
you're eight years old pumping iron just like yeah exactly yeah exactly (laughs) this is while i'm just walking places i'm not working out i'm right no for sure just listening to the fellowship of the ring score on the way to school kind of thing yeah get you ready Um, for the day you know what worlds (laughs) you have to conquer that day in in elementary school yeah (laughs) (laughs) but then i mean in the last few years it's definitely changed and i've I'm no connoisseur. I'm nowhere near your level, but film music is Please. is a huge passion of mine. And kind of going off this, I wanted to bring up Tenet again because it's a fairly recent new movie um, that we've both seen. And my next question that I wanted to ask was when you watch a movie for the first time, a new movie, uh, do you notice the music? Are you aware of the music? For you, who is, you know, for someone who makes films, directs films, studies films, how does the music in films generally reach you now? So is it very noticeable uh, or is it a slow burn? I mean, I've, I've tried exceptionally hard not to become the kind of person who will be watching a movie with friends and kind of nudge, hey, hey, you hear this? You hear this? You pay attention? You know what's going on? Because I feel like I... I I'm hyper aware of that as the cliche of the film. See, that's why I watch most movies alone. (laughs) Exactly. Otherwise, you're just a nuisance. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But that being said, I think it's it's as with anything where once you become aware enough of it and you become aware of these things, whether you like it or not, when you study it intensely, it's, it's hard to turn that part of your brain off. And I've actually found that kind of phenomenon, the the difficulty of separating my, I want to just watch this movie to be entertained and as an audience member from my more analytical, what decisions are happening, why and how, which is usually how my brain is geared just out of a desire to learn from what I'm seeing. Um, But yeah, for the for the sake of others, when I'm watching movies, I, I like to try and switch back into a more casual audience member perspective but it's hard to do that it's hard to dismiss that side of your brain that's telling you to analyze and and think um and so i mean the only way i found to really have a relaxed audience experience is to essentially try and vicariously live through someone who doesn't have that training and even that's pretty difficult so i'd say i'm always aware of the score but like you say it really does depend because i think various films will use music in a way that has incredibly varying degrees of self-awareness and that's what i think has become really interesting about audiences who don't have film training just by watching films all the time i think you get a sense of what convention is and it's funny how Music in itself, in in terms of film scores like we're talking about, seem on paper to be something that would be very jarring. I mean, it's it's outside of the diegetic world of the story, and something that's slammed on that you you're at least subconsciously aware was pasted on by a filmmaker. Right. Um, Yet for most audiences, I think that's not something that's off-putting, and I think it's because the idea of a film score and underscoring has just become part of the form. And so it's, and maybe to the extent that a film with zero scoring would actually stand out more, which is an interesting paradigm. But I think another choice that that works just as well in the context of a movie that does use music is just when you decide to use silence. Yeah. 
And right. we've talked about that a few times, especially in, in discussing creative projects. Yeah. Is it's I think very easy nowadays to get carried away because music comes with such emotional power. Yeah. I think you can just kind of get trigger happy and decide, let's throw it into underscore every emotional beat. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the marks of a, a smart filmmaker are choosing the moments where you decide to withdraw and let yeah. the room tone speak for itself or let dialogue play for itself. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, going back to um, Tenet, that is an example for me because, I mean, it could just be like, you know, I have my own thoughts about the film. We both have our own thoughts about how this film was. Uh, I'm still trying to figure it out five months on. But as far as the music goes, I've listened to the soundtrack a bunch of times. Um, I think it's really well done. It's Ludwig Göransson, composer of Black Panther. And like, it's, it's very electronic based. It's very house kind of heavy and bassy. And, you know, when I was watching the movie, the music stood out so much mm. in a good way. Cause I'm like, oh, here's, again, here's another, here, this is a new movie, Oscar winning composer. Mm -hmm let's see what he's got you know yeah and I was really impressed I was very hyper aware of the music mm -hmm. and I was trying to figure out what was going on mm -hmm. you know and maybe at one point my brain just resigned itself and said I don't know what's going on let's just listen <laughs> to the music and watch the picture <laughs> because I feel that I you know it was very difficult to figure out it was despite everything said about the film and despite how I feel about the film I did emerge from the film being like, that was an experience, you yeah. know, that was an experience. The uh, next question I wanted to uh, run by you is, um, I mean, we, we, we're kind of touching on this already is just like, what is the role of music in film? Like why, why is there still music in film? What does music bring to movies? Mm -hmm. Well, as a director, there's two ways I can answer that. The first one is, I would say broadly, and this might be my model for what I think the director is trying to shape fundamentally, is I'd say the three keys that come to mind are atmosphere, behavior, and perspective. And I would say that film music fundamentally has a role in all three of those. And I mean, certainly the, the atmosphere component is something I've focused on a lot in my own work, because I think that fundamentally i mean assuming that you have a strong story that stands on its on its own legs atmosphere is what keeps you in a film and atmosphere is really tricky when you know when we were doing literary analyses in in high school that was always the thing that i found most difficult but also most compelling was it's much harder to put your finger on what forms atmosphere than it is to to describe a type of camera angle or in literature to describe the use of a, a metaphor or a simile. Right. And so it seemed like a more evasive concept. It's really this amalgamation of all the various elements of films coming together to form feelings, which is, I think, fundamentally what film is doing. And music has a huge role in that. But then I think it also has a role in behavior and I mean, I would definitely associate behavior most strongly with the direction of actors and with the behavior of the camera itself. But I think the, the behavior of music is quite important. And again, it comes back to what we've been talking about, about how much does it call attention to itself and what everything to the, the, you know, the level of the micro details about what instruments and what notes are you using? How, how do you shape the texture of, yeah. a, 
And then certainly when it comes to perspective, you're hoping that whatever score you have is either in service of character, theme, audience, or some mix of those, I would say. And so you know, having those three sections, which each have branches of different ways that you can use film music, I think the options are endless. And then fundamentally what you're hoping for when you're scoring a film is that it, I think, is, is that it nails its atmosphere in terms of the way that the audience perceives the emotions and the ideas you're trying to convey. And that it's, it's interesting and compelling and fundamentally helps you understand the story and the characters. Right. So that's the first part of how I'd respond to that. I think the second part, and, and I might be dancing around your question, but I think it's interesting. I think that film music actually plays an important role before an audience even hears it. And so this is from a director's point of view. When I've worked on uh, in pre-production, you know, when you're working with a screenplay and whether that's you're trying to pitch it to people, whether it's you're back in the stage of writing it and trying to figure out what is this thing going to be, or if it's you've got a cast and you're on set, but you still don't quite understand the atmosphere you're going to. Once you have a score, and actually when we, when we start talking about um, some of the work that we've collaborated on and something, some of the work I've done in the past, we can talk about this because we had, we worked together on a piece that I'm thinking of now. And, and one of the experiences I had when, when you had composed a piece for I'm Still Here was suddenly having something that isn't just words and isn't just a textual blueprint that hints at what your film is going to feel like. And it's, re it's really hard to capture that. And it's also really hard to know when you're in the process of writing which bits of dialogue could be scrapped and replaced by a really well-composed piece. And ideally, that's what you want to do. Film music is just so vitally essential to the entire process, even before you hit the screen, which is kind of cool. Wow, there's a new perspective, yeah. I don't think it's always necessary, but it enhances any process yeah. uh, greatly when it's done well. Totally. I mean, film is one of those strange things where you're, you're trying to find something Thing that doesn't exist yet mm. and as with all art and so I think the more that you can do especially when it's a collaborative art form to get everyone on the same page and, and whether and and I think music is what can do that is it unites people it shows you what a feeling is going to actually feel like in a way that I think is easier understood through just listening than through words on a script yeah and so I mean it's incredibly it's a helpful unifier especially when you're working on long-term projects. And that is how film often works out is you're working on something for several months or years, and it's very easy to fall out of love with a project. But to have a piece of music, if you're lucky enough to have it early in the process or really whenever in the process, in the process it emerges, to have something that's beyond text, that is emotions and atmosphere, I think is a huge motivator and it can really help you yeah, unify your cast, unify your crew, and see the light in, you know, at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a really good way to put it. Um, we, obviously, we've touched on this now uh, a couple times. Um, so I want to ask, what role does music play in your work? Um, and how do you see music playing a role in your work in the future going forward? Mm -hmm. I never really intended this, but looking back at the, the three projects that I've completed slash are in the middle of, 
music is just huge. I mean, it's it's almost the core. It's it's the heart of these films. And so, the first one, uh, which I worked on in 2018 and came out in 2019, was a deaf man symphony. And so that was a story about a stage performer who meets uh, his doppelganger. And and that's a, a largely almost almost exclusively non-dialogue film. There's very little talking in that film. And so we knew from the beginning that music was going to be an enormous part. And it would also essentially become the character's voice because he's not speaking that much. And we had an exceptionally talented actor, um, Sheldon Graham, who was able to communicate, you know, largely non-verbally throughout this entire film. But music is an excellent boost. And so working on that film, again, it comes back to this trying to roadmap what are you going to be able to show with an expression? What are you going to be able to show with music? And one of the things I've been thinking about recently is, so I, I think end credit music is really interesting. And I'd like to get your thoughts on this because to me, end credit music specifically occupies a strange space where the music is less focused on complementing story and characters than it is trying to uh, shape something for the audience. Because at that point, you know, you're, you're essentially composing something when you're expecting people to be walking out of the theater and this is the last thing you leave them with. And so I'd been thinking about that in when we were making A Deaf Man Symphony. And so when it came to that last track, um, which we called Curtain Call, the idea is at the end of the film, the character makes a decision that even I as a writer it took me a long time to actually come to understand and agree with that decision. It took me years after I'd made the film to be like, I actually, you know, man, the, the guy, the protagonist I wrote was actually, he was actually on track. Cause I was, I didn't completely understand the decision he made at the end of the film. Mm. But for the character, this decision is, while disturbing a little bit to the audience is something that's actually quite positive. And so, in the final beats of the film, we needed to end with music that complements or commentates on what that decision means for this character. And so we have this um, quite intense and affecting scene near the end of the film. And then when you see the, the character's reaction to what he's done, the way that we ended the film was with a piece that hoped to kind of strike a strange hopefulness almost to juxtapose this, this kind of assaulting and violent ending. Um, and that's something a friend of mine had actually talked to me about was the idea of musical dissonance. When you have a scene that says that has one tone and one idea and you complement it, you almost don't complement it. You kind of contradict it with the music. And I mean, I'm sure you've thought about that too. And we actually worked on a piece that did exactly that, where you have a scene that seems to tend one way and you just take it out on its head. So this is a piece called Curtain Call from your film, uh, your short film, A Deaf Man's Symphony. Uh, and this is music you composed. This is music yes. you wrote. Yes, indeed. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, th well uh, this is a bit of Curtain Call from A Deaf Man's Symphony.
So in a deaf man, like we were in a deaf man symphony, like we were talking about, it plays a role almost as the voice of the character, um, because to substitute for the lack of dialogue. Whereas in the film that we worked on together, um, that's still uh, in progress. I'm still here. We have a situation, and I think this was something that excited us when we started talking about it. Is you have a film that features characters who rely on music, lots of piano. And then you also have lots of opportunities through this film where non-diegetic music is gonna be essential. And I think one of the things that was exciting to us was the idea of bleeding the diegetic into the non-diegetic and seeing how those worlds could collide. Cause you had a few ideas on, on letting that bridge itself. It's a fascinating concept. Um... And uh, yeah, no, I thought it would be an interesting thing to try. Um, yeah. You know, it's all about trying something new, right? So yeah. Um, Speaking of, um, one of the things that we talked about was there's a scene roughly in the middle of the film, I think, called that we called the waterfall scene, where you have this character who's just been through quite a harrowing experience, who finally gets a moment of serenity finds herself in this kind of Japanese peace garden with a waterfall. And we'd been talking about how to score that moment because it'd be completely non-dialogue. And I remember in at the beginning of our talks, and this kind of goes to show this idea of whether you use music to complement or subvert the idea of a scene, we'd initially talked about composing a kind of water-like motif, or that's what you'd initially thought about. Yeah. And then I remember that we had a conversation. I think we were in the middle of discussing it. And then you came out of this, you came out with this idea that was kind of completely out of left field, but really worked. Do you, do you remember what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I've approached those things, uh, you know, more and more with, with any kind of creative pursuit. I really love to approach these things with, you know, you have an idea, you develop it it gets to a point where like, yeah, this could work. And then you just flip it on its head and do something else, either incorporating some elements or just throwing out the whole thing and starting fresh. Because the development that you've made on the previous idea uh, hopefully has given you some kind of new perspective and you've learned something from that little journey. And then to throw it out the window and to pull something else out of your bag of tricks, uh, with that in mind, that new thing can be quite inspired, I find. Um, you know, not attesting to my own work, but ideally it can be quite interesting. And do you remember what that thought process was like when you approached the, the waterfall track? I was thinking of, it was two things, because I was thinking of a particular moment in a film uh, called The Two Popes, where the same sort of concept had been utilized I feel they opted for this this piece with a church organ and a saxophone and the church and, a, and not a and not even a, a high catholic sounding church organ it sounded like the church organ in the little united church down the street with this really beautiful echoey saxophone that's an instance where someone has said I'm not going to do what's expected here mm -hmm. which I appreciate because I remember it standing out when I first watched it almost to the point where it was jarring because you, there's that moment where you're, you're, you're looking at the top of the Sistine Chapel with all the rest of the audience and 
all of a sudden this saxophone starts playing in this church organ. You're like, wait, wait a sec. No, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's exactly what it was needed for that moment for a, a multitude of reasons. Mainly, mm-hmm. I think, because it brought the character of uh, Bergoglio, who goes on to be Pope Francis, when he, this is when he's still a cardinal. He's looking up at this, you know, this amazing place in the Sistine Chapel, and the music brings it down to earth for the audience, for the character. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that was arguably the, one of the best musical choices of the film. Yeah. And I mean, unexpected choices can just be so perfect. And I remember exactly. when we had that conversation and we were talking about about something that was water inspired and featuring kind of like, I don't have the right terminology, so I'll say like twinkly runs. If you translate that. It's twinkly something- runs, yep. Twinkly runs is what I'm going yeah, with. Yeah, I think Debussy and- once said that, yeah. <laughs> and the twinkly runs weren't working. We weren't feeling it. And so I no. asked, you know, is there a different way we can go with this? And then you just said, how about, how about, and then you just took over, you took me over to the piano. Yeah, I took the camera and- over to the piano, yeah. And the- yeah, you didn't pick me up and bring me to the piano. <laughs> this is cold. You, you were just- in Toronto. <laughs> And then you started playing, and, and you said, essentially, what if we did something jazz-inspired? Mm-hmm. I was like, can we can, can we do that? <laughs> Is this illegal? And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then just thinking about that scene in the script, it was like, this works perfectly. But afterwards, I was just in this loop of like, who does that? Like, that's such a great choice. That's pretty sweet. Um, it was one of those ones where like, this just feels right. Yeah, you know, but I was, but above all, I was, I was happy that you liked it, um, uh, and that uh, other people involved in the project liked it. Well, this is the piece, uh, a sample of the piece in question uh, that I wrote for this particular scene in Eli's upcoming film. I'm still here. You know, um, what's interesting is yeah. is the evolution of of where that fit in the film, because I'd composed a piece. I've been I remember I was writing the screenplay, the original draft for I'm Still Here, and it got to the ending. And my vision for the ending was it's this conversation where you where you finally get the idea that the character is overcoming the the challenge that she's been struggling with through the film. And the idea is that through this conversation, which we didn't want to show it's in, in its entirety, but rather we wanted to imply that through this conversation, she now has the tools that she needs to continue her journey. And that can happen after the credits roll. And that's exactly what we wanted to emphasize was 
this story continues after you leave your seats and after the credits roll. And so one of the decisions that we had was to almost like an 80s movie to have the last shot to, to roll the credits over the last shot instead right. of cutting to black and rolling credits. And so you have this con kind of continuation where under the credits you see these two characters talking and, and another decision was to essentially to, to suck out the dialogue so that you don't hear what they're saying and then to introduce music so that you play the credits out, you see these characters talking and you hear music. And I'd composed a piece just to help me figure out what exactly that last emotional note needs to feel like. You know, you have this idea of this continuation and this healing process that occurs that the character is now able to, uh, to move through. What is the music that suggests that, that suggests a tinge of hope um, and the suggestion that there's, that healing is gonna happen. And so I'd composed um, this piece. They're not? I don't think so. Yeah. We found each other on, on similar wavelengths when talking creatively about, about the film and, and other stuff. Um, so they have similar vibes. Something mm. you haven't heard that I've written and, and something that, wow. you know, that you have written that I hadn't heard. Wow. Um, they have similar, even similar tempo, which is odd um, to that. me. So yeah, take note, people. You need to be in tune with your collaborators. Um, <laughs> yeah to succeed what we need to end this podcast is some really excellent end credits music that's just just some yeah that's it well that's a out. that's a good yeah that's a good way to to think about it i wanted to touch on end credits music uh because when you brought up uh when you first brought it up films used to have overtures like operas do mm. you know they would have overtures like musicals used to not many musicals have overtures now but the purpose of an overture was to outline the themes that, uh, that you'd hear throughout the film, the opera, the play. That's what the point is. It's like a little outline of where things are going to go without telling you what the ending is in the overture. A lot of end credits music is like a reverse overture. It's like, these are the themes we've heard. And this is, it sort of recaps the recap in a way. And it makes you want to watch the credits, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm not very good at sitting and watching to the credits, but I'm going to try my hardest now. Yes. Um, and I actually, I have a pet peeve with Netflix with when they, this next thing is starting right now. I know. And you I have know. to avoid it. You have five seconds, four, three, yeah. it's quick. Click on the watch credits yeah. button. Good God. The next step is that's going to happen like two minutes before the film ends. It's going to disappear in the corner and you're just going to like, it's going to take you completely out of it. Yeah. You just don't uh, know the ending. I love Netflix and I love how much work it gives everyone, but like... Oh man. Oh man, we're never going to get hired by Netflix now. Not if I don't put this online. <laughs> Cut it! <laughs>
And that was our conversation, folks. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed participating in it. And I'd just like to thank Eli once again for agreeing to come on the podcast and talk about film music. And as always, if you enjoy listening to me talk about film music on Fridays, be sure to follow on Spotify, rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and share far and wide on social media. As always, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay well, my friends. This has been Film Music Friday, the podcast, and I am your host, Aaron Smale. Thanks for listening. <laughs>